Daniel. Uh, we've been talking for the last eight weeks about how to live godly in an ungodly culture, um, how to navigate that. And, and last week we talked about end times. How is this all going to end? And uh, as I said a few weeks ago, I think there's some, still some more meat on the bones. And uh, so we're going to, for at least this week, probably next week, uh, we're going to dive into just studying the end times a little bit more. And just really just seeing all, uh, just a little bit more of what the Lord um, has to say about it, what we can expect, um, how to know signs of the times. And, uh, and I, I'm really excited about uh, what, the Lord, um, what the Lord's going to do and, and what He is doing uh, as we talk about the return of Christ. Matthew 24.36 says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And I can only imagine that Jesus is, I mean, He is ready to come back. I believe that. He has one eye on earth and one eye on the Father. And He has a white horse right there. And He's ready to return. He's just waiting for His Father to say, go get my kids. And, and, and that's the kind of tension that we find ourselves living in is that, is of being what I believe very possibly, um, in these last days. And one thing we're, we're going to look at this morning is signs of the time, signs of the ends of the, of the end of the age. And, and how many you know things are getting crazy out there, right? I'm the only one that's noticed. Okay. I mean, it's crazy. There's, there's three hurricanes now in the Atlantic. There's terrorism. There's North Korea. There's what's going on all over the world. There is a, there's earthquakes. There's just, there, I mean, there's craziness, isn't there? And we're told these are signs of the end times that are coming. First Chronicles 12.32 says this, talking about the different tribes as David was, was separating them out. Uh, he said, the men are the sons of Issachar. The tribe of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I believe the Lord wants us to be like that. I believe the Lord wants us to understand the times that we live in, wants us to understand what's going on, and we're going to know what to do. We're going to know how to live. We're going to know how to impact the culture around us and make a difference in this, in this time. Well, one of our main tenets of faith, one of the, and you can look on our website for our statement of beliefs, but one of the very, very, very foundational aspects of our faith is that Jesus is coming again. In fact, this is the short uh, portion of our statement of faith. If you go to the next slide, is that the, the, we believe that the second coming of Christ is personal and it's imminent. Which means we believe that Jesus Himself in person is coming again, and it's imminent, which means it could happen at any moment. We believe that, and, and we have a longer statement of faith you can look at that explains it a little bit more, but even in our longer statement of faith, there's a little bit of vagueness in it, because there's a lot we really don't know. I know some are pre-trib, post-trib, uh, mid-trib, post-trib, all-millennial, um, Premillennial. I'm a panmillennialist. I believe it's all going to pan out in the end. You know what I'm saying? That Jesus is going to come back, and 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 so and so we. Some of this we just don't really fully understand or fully know. But we do know this: that Jesus is coming again, and it could be at any moment. And and so we need to live like this. That it impacts how we live. In fact, Jesus, uh, one of Jesus' very last. Um, Really, his very last moments on earth before he ascended is found in Acts chapter 1. And this is what he said. And it says, after he said this, speaking of Jesus, and what did he say after he said this, which was the great commission? 
He said, you'll be filled with the Spirit, you'll be filled with power, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And he gave us our commission. He, he actually, he gave us our co-mission, which is a mission with him, with Jesus, and with all the other believers. It's not just Grace's mission, right? It's ever Bible-believing church's mission is to, is to spread the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, not for Jesus, but with Jesus, being empowered by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so that's our commission. And, and so he says this, and after, he, after this was said, he was taken up, So he ascended before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently. I mean, picture this, okay? Jesus ascends. Everybody's standing there looking up at the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. said, men of Galilee? They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Like, duh, because Jesus just like went up, right? I mean, what, what would you be doing? It's like, I mean, it's just a comical, I think it's comical. Uh, so why are you looking up? Well, Jesus, he just said, well, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. In the same way you've seen him go to heaven, he literally went to heaven. He's literally going to come back to earth. And in the same way you've seen him go into heaven, and actually the same place. He was on the Mount of Olives. And he ascended, which most of the pictures you see of the temple or you see of Jerusalem are, are from the Mount of Olives. You have the, you have Temple Mount here, and then you have the valley, and the bottom of the valley is the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a olive garden, orchard, if you will, and then up that hill is, is the Mount of Olives. And it's, it's just like the perfect view of, of Jerusalem and of the Temple Mount where the temple was and will be restored again someday. And that's the place. That's where Jesus left, and that's where he's coming again. And so he said, in the same way he left, he, he's going to come. Now, we know that we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know there's signs. And there's a lot of scholarly research out there, a lot of speculation on if the signs are, are, are pre-trib or mid-trib or, or post-trib or what is a trip. So there's all these kind of signs, but... I don't think we should get like bogged down at what point are which signs for which because, because it, it's, it's reflecting a season. It's like, it's like if you head to St. Louis, right? You, when you leave, there's going to be a, a mile marker that's going to say you're about, about 200 miles from St. Louis. And when you get up towards Lebanon, it's going to say you're about 150 miles from St. Louis approximately. You're going to get up past Fort Leonard Wood, it'll be about 100 miles. And then you get up towards Eureka, it's going to be about 25, 30 miles. And so uh, the point is, it's not exactly which mile are you from St. Louis. The point is you're getting closer to St. Louis. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes so many people can get bogged down on the details of what this, what that, when this. The point is, Jesus is coming again. Are we ready? And are we doing what we're supposed to be doing to prepare and to get others ready for his return? To me, that's, that's the bottom line. And Luke, we see Luke chapter 21. We, he, he, he describes the signs for us here. It says, there will be signs, which what do signs do, right? Signs point direction. Signs let you know what's happening, what's coming, what's coming up. And so there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. We've seen that. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. I mean, we're seeing that, aren't we? People will faint from terror. I mean, it's like it's USA Today, isn't it? I mean, it's like, 
apprehensive of what's coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken like earthquakes. At that time they will see the Son of Man, which is reference to Jesus, coming in the cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, pack your bags. That's the J. Bean version. When you see these things start to take place, stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is near. Jesus is coming back. He is on His way. And, and it's interesting because, you know, I can actually feel tension in the room right now when I'm talking about this. I, can, I mean, some of you, you're like a ball of nerves. I can, I can feel it. In fact, one young lady after service, uh, first service last week, I, I asked her, I was, I was talking to her, and she said, you know, this subject really makes me nervous. It gives me anxiety. It really, I, I, I don't know how, really how to respond to this. And I was like, well, because I thought I preached a good message last week. I said, well, how did you like my message? And she said, I almost threw up. <laughs> I never had anybody tell me that before. My message almost, so we have barf bags for you in the seats in, in front of you this morning. I know there's a lot of anxiety. I know that and if you're anywhere near my age, which I'm not going to tell you what it is, but if you're anywhere near my age and you grew up in church, I think in the age I grew up in, like it was the church's goal to try to scare you out of hell into heaven. And they showed us kind of some crazy movies and all kinds of stuff. And, and it created fear. And it was a fear motivated. And I'm telling you, our God doesn't motivate out of fear. Now, there is a real heaven. There is a real hell. hell but, but our God draws us with love, with goodness, and, and with kindness. And so, and so I know there can be a lot of fear. I know there can be a lot of confusion. So I'm going to tell you guys a, a funny story because nothing else I'm going to say this morning is funny. So I might as well tell you something funny. So there's, there's a story of two Oki pastors. I'm from Oklahoma, so I can tell Oki stories. So there's two Oki pastors, and, and like in every small town in Oklahoma, I tell you it's true. This is true. You have the Baptist church on one side of the street and the Methodist church on the other side of the street. It, it, I'm telling you, it's true in almost every Oklahoma town I can think of. And, and so you had, the, you had the Baptist preacher and you had the Methodist preacher, and they were out hammering signs into the front of their church. They're hammering these signs, and, and, and one, of the, one of the pastors, he was hammering his sign, and it said, the end is near. And the, the Methodist preacher, he was, he was pounding his, and it said, turn around now. And, he's, and then all of a sudden, this car comes flying by, and the guy yells, he goes, you religious fanatics! And he drives on by, and they watch him drive, and all of a sudden, they hear this screeching of tires, and this big splash of water, and the Baptist pastor says to the Methodist pastor, maybe we should have put a sign up that said, bridge out ahead. <laughs> okay, here you are. That's funny. That's just, that's just funny. So are we living in the last days? Are, are we living in... You know, every generation's believed they've lived in the last days. You, you know what I'm talking about? Your grandparents said that. Your great-grandparents, your parents said that. Every generation believes it's the last day. You know what? I think that's healthy. We don't know when it's going to be, but I believe it's a healthy approach to live such as this, this could be the last days. That we would plan like Jesus is not coming back for a hundred years, but we would live like He's coming back today. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's how we would live. And so, I'm going to build a little bit of a case of why I think it could be our generation. Obviously, I don't know that, but why it could be one is satellite technology. One satellite technology. We have satellite technology today like... 
obviously like it's never happened before. And we know in Revelation chapter 11, in the tribulation, that the two witnesses who are, who are come uh, witnessing for Christ, and, and they're, they're leading people to him, that the beast will come. And I don't know, I'm confusing a lot of you, I'm sorry. But he's going to come, these two witnesses are going to be, they're going to be murdered, they're going to be killed, they're going to lay in the street for I think it's three days. And it says, every nation will witness these laying in the street. The, the point was they weren't going to get a burial because that's a, uh, that is a disgrace to not be buried right away. They're going to lay out in the open. And so a lot of implications that we don't have time for all that. But the point is, is that somehow the whole world's going to see this thing at one time. How else could that happen? Except with satellite technology. Another, another indication is one world currency. That Revelation 13 talks about worshiping the Antichrist and that a, a monetary system will be put in place that, that for those that worship the Antichrist in a monetary system called the Mark of the Beast that will allow people that will be required to do a financial exchanges. And we're now seeing technology that is creating a, a, a one, that's going towards one world currency. We, we see this. We see, um, I mean, we don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if someday you'll go to Walmart and, you know, it says that it'll be on, the, on your hand or on your forehead. I don't know if you'll go, you get your groceries and go, beep, you know, scan your forehead. I don't know, right? I don't know if it's going to be, a, I, I mean, so there's chip technology going on right now. Here's a picture of a company in Wisconsin. I think I told you about it this summer. Uh, there's a, a picture of a, show that picture of that guy. Yeah, that's a chip now that a company's using in Wisconsin. And they implant it in their hand, and that's what they use for the vending machine at work. This is being used in Europe. It's being used all over. Some of your animals may have a chip, right? My dog does. This is, this is Ellie. It's a little hard to see her. She's our chocolate lab. Actually, um, Heather and Hannah, our children's pastor, were walking in front of the church about a year and a half ago, and she was hit by an Escalade. And we brought her home. We had her checked to see if she had a chip. She was okay. Um, we tried to find her a home. She was never adopted, so she adopted us became part of our family, and so we t- I took her to the vet. I got her chipped. I put somebody else's address with it, so if she runs away, she'll belong to somebody else someday. <laughs> you think I'm joking. So, so we know there's chip technology out there, and, but we don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that's what it's going to be. I'm just saying that we're seeing t- signs of the times. It's a true story, I promise you. Somebody told me this last week after first service that they had a grandbaby born three weeks ago here in Springfield, one of our local hospitals. And the nurse told them, the, uh, the, uh, I don't know what you call a baby nurse, but in the nursery, the nurse, pediatric nurse, there we go, the pediatric nurse told them that in 2020, kids born at the hospital here in Springfield, will be, a chip will be placed in their body. I never heard that. I thought I said, you're lying. He goes, I'm not lying. I said, you're lying to me. He said, I'm not lying. I'm not telling you things to scare you. I'm just saying, we're seeing these things like we're seeing signs of things that could be leading to what we see in the book of, of Revelation. Another, another sign of end times is world evangelism. Matthew 24, 14 says, the gospel will be preached to all nations. And last week we talked about what that means. The ethnos, that, that people, groups, languages, uh, that, that the world is going to be reached, and we're seeing evangelism happen in the world like never, like never before. There's 17,000 people groups in the world. 10,000 have the gospel, but about 7,000 have never heard the gospel. God is calling us. God is asking His church, specifically this church, you and I, to reach people that don't know Him that have never heard the gospel. That's why we exist, is to make disciples of all nations. Amen? 
Not just a place to come and sing songs and enjoy each other's fellowship. That's all good. It's great. But it's tied to a higher purpose of making disciples of all nations. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. It's to make disciples of all nations. Kelly, would you join me up here? I want to introduce you guys to Kelly Jones. Uh, Kelly and, and her husband Dan are Wycliffe missionaries, which means they've given their life to, uh, to translate the Bible into languages that the Bible is not yet translated in. And, here you go, Kelly. Thank you for doing this. Um, they, uh, just tell them a little bit of your journey, okay? I know you guys were in Africa for several years. Will you just tell them a little bit of the journey that God's had you guys on? Mm-hmm. We... Um is this working? I think it okay, is. Okay, because yeah. I don't hear. They'll turn you up. Um, we were in Tanzania, East Africa for a few years, and um, my husband was doing uh, translation work for a language that didn't have a Bible. And so he was kind of the first, um, he'd work with national translators, and he would be like the first person to kind of help them develop their drafts. And then now he's taken a new role as a, tra- well, he's training to be a translation consultant. And so for that role, we've actually moved back to Springfield, and he works online, and people send him um, the drafts, and he will do consultant check um, that they match the uh, intent of the original scriptures. And then right now, he's actually in a, a 1040 window. Um, doing a nation cons- we can't mention, because it's closed access. Yes. Um, doing a, so he'll be traveling every uh, few months for two to three weeks at a time, and he meets with the translation teams in person to go over those um, questions they couldn't really hammer out via Internet. See, I wanted you guys to meet Kelly. They've been out raising funds the last several weeks. They've been in Tennessee. But they moved back to Springfield, and they made grace their, their church, their friends with Brady and, and Stacy Thompson. And, and I just wanted you guys to know, even what the Lord's doing in our church— that, that there, there's, there's some of us that the Lord is using to reach unreached people. And so I wanted you, uh, her, Kelly's husband's name is Dan. Uh, he'll be back in a few weeks. Her kids are Kate and Grace. And, uh, and, and, and we get to be their church family. You know what kind of privilege this is? That we get to love on them and serve them. And, and they get to, they're translating the Bible. And people that have never had the gospel are going to get it because of you guys. And we just are so, so thankful for you, and we're so, just so honored that we get to do life with you guys. And so our missions task force, um, we know there's a lot of expense with moving and everything you guys have had to do. So all of us here, we're giving you guys a check for $2,500, just to just let you guys know that we love you, and we believe in you, and we support you. So, you're welcome. So unexpected. You're welcome. You're welcome. And so... Yeah, we're proud of you guys, and we believe in what you're doing. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, that right there is fun, guys, isn't it? We get, we, we get to do this. Isn't that awesome? And we don't just talk about it, that we put, we put our money, the, the, the money you guys give, we use it to make a difference around the world. We believe this. That's why we're reaching out in Weller community. That's why we have a team that will leave after this service and we'll go and we're reaching one of the least reached groups, neighborhoods in Springfield. And, we've, and, and we're going to talk about this more in our missions conference coming up in a few weeks. But we are 
We, we had a church up there that was struggling that was, that was going to have to close if we didn't do something. And we saw God working in that neighborhood. We saw we, hundreds of people being fed every week. Uh, we saw the need and we saw the flow and the grace of God. And we said, we can't do that. We can't let that church close. We have to do something. And, and well, we have, we've had a fusion group for the last two years that's been going up and ministering in that neighborhood. And they're our launch team. And Melanie Wilkie is the pastor of that campus church. And we're, we're embracing it and we're, we're, we're helping fund it, resource it, man it, um, so, that, so that we can transform this neighborhood. So we can see Jesus' kingdom come and one of the least reached places in Springfield. I believe that's important. Anybody else think that's... I mean, it's important that we're making a difference everywhere that God places us. That's why in Mexico this year, we sent a team to, to, to plant a church in a village that didn't have a church. It's, isn't it hard to believe that even in Mexico, there's places that, have, that do not yet have a church? Now there's a church in the mountains of Chihuahua because of you, because of our missions teams. That's why we have an orphanage and a missionary in Central Asia, in a country that I can't name, where there's 75 kids in multiple home churches, where ISIS is, is, is getting intense, where persecution is great, but our missionary isn't backing down. Him and his family aren't stopping. They're an ever-present reflection of the gospel, and people are coming to Christ. Lives are being changed. People are being healed, set free, dis- delivered. Disciples are being made, and you guys are funding it. You guys are, I mean, we're the sending church for this missionary, and it's making a difference. I want you guys to know, hey, we're doing all we can to, to, to speed up the return of Christ, that we want to reach this world for Him. Amen? Amen. So why am I talking about this, right? Why am I talking about what, what? What does this matter? Well, there's the return of Christ should do three things for us, okay? Three things for us. The first thing it should do is it should comfort us. And you're like, what? Yeah, the return of Christ should comfort us. Anybody here have anything broken in your life? Relationships? Health? Anything just messed up? You know what I'm thankful about heaven? Is everything's going to be made right. Everything's going to be made right. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 and 18 says this, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, and after that we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will forever be with our Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That the return of Christ brings comfort. Why? Because everything that we hope for, long for, pray for on this earth doesn't always happen. You know what I'm saying? But we know that one day everything's going to be made right. One day, everything's going to be made right. And I'm so, so thankful for that. The second thing the return of Christ does is it prepares us. It prepares us. Over 300 references in the New Testament to the return of Christ. 216, I think we have the slides up here. 216 of the 260 chapters in the New Testament refer to the return of Christ. Jesus wanted us to know what was going to happen. 23 of the 27 uh, New Testament books contain content about the return of Christ. He wants us to be ready. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 and 4 says this, Now, brothers and sisters, about time and dates, 
We don't need to write you about that. Why? Because we don't know. For you know very well that that day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. We're not ignorant. We know what's going on. So that the day should, should not surprise us. So this day should surprise like a thief. We're not. We're not going to be caught unaware. We're going to know. We're going to be prepared. We're going to be ready. Amen? My daughter, our daughter Maddie, last year got married. And I'm telling you, we put a lot of preparation into that event. A lot of work. Months into that 15-minute ceremony. You know what I'm saying, dads? Can I get a witness, right? <laughs> but it was, we were prepared. We were ready. Do you know that we are the, we're the bride of Christ? And our groom is coming to get us. And I'm telling you, when Maddie was, oh, she was so excited about getting married, she was ready, right? I mean, she, her, you know what? She wasn't dating other guys either. You know what I'm saying? Like her heart was set on Parker. She was ready. She was prepared for that wedding day. Church, let's get prepared for that wedding day. Amen? Let's don't get caught unaware. Let's, be, let's have our hearts be ready. The third thing is that His return focuses us. It focuses us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, and 6. You are all children of light, and, and as children of light, we do not belong in the night or darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake, let us be sober, let us be focused, let us be ready for the return of Christ. Let us be ready. So the big question is, are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days? You know, I, actually, on the news this morning... Like I saw that there's people predicting that the end of the world is happening this, this next week. Has anybody heard that? I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, oh, drives me nuts, I'm telling you. Now, I know he's going to come back at some point, right? And it could be today. But no one knows the day or the hour. It's like they've read the whole part of the Bible except for that one verse, right? They got the whole Bible figured out, but that one verse, right? But are we living in the last days? I don't know, but I can tell you this. You're living in your last days. You know what I'm saying? These are your, I mean, I don't know about all of you. I don't know about when Jesus come back, but I know you and I are living in our last days. Okay, I will tell you my age. I'm 44. I may have more days behind me than ahead of me. I mean, maybe I'll live past 88. I don't know. I could be in my last days. See how that changes how you live? It changes it from some theoretical, theological talk to you and I are in our last days. How should we then live? We need to live by being ready. By being ready. By being busy about our Father's business. So what should we do? Here you go. Three quick points. Three things real quick. What should we do? Number one, I should think clearly. You can write that down in your notes. I should think clearly. 1 Peter 4.7 says this. This is Peter's take on it. He said, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Think clearly. I'm telling you guys, thinking clearly and prayer is connected. That when you begin to pray, you begin to think clearly. And he's saying, as the end is coming near, think clearly and pray. Pray so you can think clearly. I'll be honest with you guys. My prayer life has changed the last year or so. 
I don't talk near as much as I used to in prayer. Prayer really for me is a realigning of my heart, of my mind, of the focus being on Him. I'll tell you what, most of my prayer, and we all have different seasons and journeys in our prayer life, but right now most of my prayer is worship, is praying in the Spirit in my heavenly language, and just being in the presence of God, of just sitting, just sitting and letting my heart, my mind. I used to ask Jesus to do a lot of stuff. And now I just ask Him to, my heart would be set on what His heart is. I would be aligned with Him. I don't really need Him like doing stuff for me. I need to be on the same page as Him. You know what I'm saying? For me, that's what prayer is right now in my life. It's a realigning of my heart, of my thinking, of my life. I don't even have to say a lot. I just need to be in the presence of Jesus. Because it's in the presence of Jesus that we're changed. That we're able to think clearly. Number two. Well, I don't know where that came from. All right. Number two. I should focus on relationships. So I should think clearly, and I should focus on relationships. The people are the most important thing ever. You know why? Because people are the only thing that lasts for forever. The only things that last forever are the Word of God and people. That's it. So Word of God, people. Those are the most important things. That's why relationships matter. That's why we're involved with the missionary in Central Asia. Because as we were looking at this, we were considering this, God dropped this in my heart. He said, he said, and he used the name of this people group. He said, the whole world has forgotten about this people group because most people have never heard of them. He said, but I haven't. I love them. And I need somebody to go and to reach them for me. He loves people, and God has called us to love people, that we care about the people in Houston that are suffering, that we care about the people in Florida that are suffering, that we care about those in Springfield that are being sexually trafficked, that we care about the people in Springfield that are being abused, which Springfield has the highest rate of domestic violence in the state of Missouri. It shouldn't be this way, friends. It shouldn't be this way. Relationships matter, that we reach out to those around us. Because we all need somebody in our life that every one of us at some point are going to fall. And we need somebody to help pick us up. We are. We're all going to fall. You say, couldn't you be more positive, Pastor? I'm positive you're going to fall someday. (laughs) I am. Every one of us will fall. Ecclesiastes says, if if you're all by yourself, you're going to get cold. If If you do life by yourself, when you fall, there's nobody to pick you up. But if there's a brother, if there's a sister with you, they can pick you up. That two are better than one and three... Man, three, that's, that's not broken very easily. And so we're told that we're to live in relationship. That's why we have fusion groups, right? They're launching this week. If you're not in a fusion group, get in one, please. We have a catalog that is, that's, in the, that's in our foyer, in our information catalog. Every single fusion group is in here. Find one. Show up, text him. You can, you can just text and sign up and your fusion group leader will reach out to you. We'll connect you with one. On your app, you can sign up for a fusion group right there. Come see me. We have sign-up sheets on the back. Like My heart is that every single one of us will be in a fusion group. Why? Because we need relationship. We need relationship. We, in the end time, we should be focused on relationship. 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9 says, Above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. Above all, 
that loving others is paramount. It's most important because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know what that verse literally means in the Greek? It means join a fusion group at Grace Church without grumbling. That's the, that's the literal translation of that verse. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? That's what that verse means. Number three, I should make a difference. You and I need to be making a difference every day. That you and I are using the gifts that God's given us. 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11 says, Everyone should use whatever gift he has, she has, received to serve others. That you have spiritual gifts. You have talents. You have ability. God wants you to use that to serve others. Faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. Do you know you're an administrator of God's grace? Guys, that's powerful. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If you serve, do it with the strength of God. You serve in the nursery, do it with the strength of God. You pass out bulletins, do it with the strength of God. You host a meal, do it with the strength of God. You serve at a funeral, do it with the strength of God. You share Christ with your neighbor, do it with the strength of God. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and power forever and ever and ever. In fact, right after second service, we have growth track step three. And it's all about this. It's all about helping you discover your gifts, who you are, what God has called you to be, what He's called you to do. I'm telling you, if you haven't done step three, please... Please come back 1215. You don't want to miss it. You want to do it. We have food. We have child care. This is our way of equipping you so you can make a difference. So you can make a difference. And so because of Christ's return, it comforts us. It focuses us. It motivates us. We, we, we think clearly. We're focused on relationships. And we're going to make a difference in this world. Amen? Amen. How about we do it? Yes. Can we do that? Yes. I think we can do that. What do you think? You guys aren't convinced. I preach my heart out. And you guys aren't convinced. With Jesus, can we do this? Amen. We can do it with Him. We can do it with Him. The time is now.